have no idea. I recorded that with him. I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to say after that. Uh, so I'm not even going to try. I really looked hard to see if I could find a white t-shirt. It's true. I don't own them. So I got some whites on you know, my shoes. So that is about as far as we're going to get. But for the last uh, several weeks, we've been looking at this, uh, this word called Sabbath. We're in this series called Cease and Persist. And if you grew up in the church or maybe a kind of religious household, you might have some context of what this word Sabbath means. But if you didn't, um, it, there's a lot of confusion. There's like a lot of confusion around this word Sabbath. What does it mean? How do I live it out? So I've personally really enjoyed diving into the scriptures to see, hey, how as believers in Christ, what does Sabbath mean to us and all those things? And I'm excited again to continue it this morning. Now, we've been looking at this definition. Here's our definition for Sabbath that we've been kind of walking through is to cease my efforts for a day in order to persist in our relationship with God. That as followers of Jesus, we need to make the time, we need to have the margin to kind of stop what we're doing in order to pursue and persist in our relationship with God. Now, last week, Pastor Jason gave us a list of some awesome questions. If you were here, and if you, it, well, if you weren't here, you should go back and listen. If you were here, there were some like evaluation questions, questions that we should ask ourselves of like, hey, am I doing this Sabbath thing well? And the one that really hit me was was this question. What are the habits in your life that stir affections for Jesus that should be regular staples in your Sabbath rhythm? What are the things that you're doing throughout your week? What are the things that, that you're doing that are stirring something in you and your affections for Jesus that are creating a Sabbath rhythm? And that word rhythm really struck me because rhythm means it's not something occasionally, it's something you consistently do. And so I needed to kind of go deeper. And here's what Google had to say. It is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement, a pattern of movement. Asking that question, what are the things, again, that we're not like, hey, I'm just kind of occasionally doing the Sabbath thing. I'm occasionally kind of going to God in prayer, and I'm occasionally reading Scripture. No, what are the repeated patterns in my life that are drawing me towards God? The last two years for me have certainly been a journey of learning all of the things that they don't teach you or train you how to do uh, when it comes to being a pastor. And some of those things have been really fun things and a blessing, and some of those things have certainly um, been a challenge. But one of the things I've really enjoyed and has been a blessing to me is that oftentimes people will come to either Pastor Jason or myself and they're looking for a spiritual perspective. Something's going on in your life, whether it be a financial, an emotional, a situational thing in your life. And you're like, listen, I just need help. I need to get pointed in the right direction. What does the Bible have to say? And can you, can you help guide me in pointing me towards God? So I've been having lots of these conversations with people lately and there seems to be a common theme. There seems to be a common theme in my life and a lot of the people's lives around me, and it's not a rhythm of Sabbath. It's a rhythm of chaos. For many of the people I talk to, whether internally or externally, there is something going on in their life that is causing a rhythm of chaos in their life. Maybe you can relate to some of these. For some, it's a job situation. 
right? I either lost my job or, or the job is really hard and I'm not getting the hours I thought I was going to get. And, and listen, uh, the, the paycheck is running thin or I don't even have a paycheck anymore and, and I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my bills and it's piling up and I'm trying to protect my kids and, and I'm stuck in a rhythm of chaos. For some, it's a relational thing, right? You're sitting there going, listen, I'm looking at my marriage. The spark is gone. Right? I don't know what to do. There's this tension building up. We're fighting. I'm trying to protect my kids. You know, and there's this tension and tension and tension. And every day I am stuck in a rhythm of chaos. Uh, for some, it's the internal conversations we have. Some of you today are in a fight with someone in your head, and they don't even know that you're in a fight with them. Right? You're, you, you, you sit in your morning, you're like, man, man, man. You know, when they say this to me, oh, I'm going to say that. It's going to be good. And then you spend all day rehearsing. I'm going to go this, and I'm going to say that. I'm going to say this. And you spend your entire day spiraling and spiraling and spiraling, creating an internal chaos in your heart over a fake conversation, a conversation that doesn't even exist. For some, we, we play the comparison game. We spend all day scrolling our phone. We say things like, why is their relationship so easy? You know, I'm, I'm stuck in this relationship, and it's hard work for me. When I look at their social media, everything seems to be perfect. Uh, how, how did they afford that car? You know, I'm stuck in struggle, and, and I, don't seem, I can't make ends meet, and they just seem to always get what they want. Some of us, it's, uh, everyone seems to be getting engaged. Man, I, 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 want to, I want a relationship, and I just seem to be stuck in singleness. And, and we're stuck in a spiral of envy and jealousy. And in our heart, there is a rhythm of chaos. If, if you were going to be honest with yourselves today, could you honestly say that, that there is a part of you that whether internally or externally, the circumstances around you, you are stuck in a rhythm of chaos. The reality is this is for so many of us. Uh, we're overwhelmed. Our kids are crazy. Our jobs are out of control. We're living in a pandemic. What does that even mean? Massive inflation. Have you seen the gas pump? We're on the threat of war. We have been hurt by people inside and outside of the church. Our kids' schooling is insane. I'm paranoid about everything. My health is uncertain. Have you seen my credit card bill? And for many of us in this room today, the burden is deepening. The expectations are growing. And if we were honest, many of us are on the brink. And then we'll come to a Sabbath series at Wellspring. And we'll hear about rest and all of these things. And two weeks ago, Pastor Jason preached on Matthew 11. It's such a powerful verse. Matthew 11 reads like this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart. And you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But if we're honest this morning, many of us can't hear that verse. I'm not talking about physically hearing. I'm talking about feeling it inside of our souls. Why? 
Because the volume of our life is so loud that we are consistently stuck in chaos. And in chaos, the only thing we can hear, see, and experience is that noise. For, for many of us, it, it kind of looks a little bit like this. Ashley, I think you're out there. Can, can, you, can you help me for a minute? Um, Ashley, great volunteer. Love, love, love. Great. Let's get, yeah. Um, so, so, Ashley, can Um, I'm going to have you do me a favor and read that verse for me. Can you, can you read it for me? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Okay. No, I was going to say, maybe you start over. Hey, I'm sorry. Can can you read that again? I, it's a little noisy up here. Can you read that for me? I'm sorry, Ashley. It's just really loud up here. Can you read that verse for, for just a little louder, maybe this time? It's a little loud up here. You see, my life is a little chaotic. My life is a little noisy. And, and actually, I'm having a hard time hearing that verse. Can you, one, maybe one more time? You can have a seat. That is many of our lives. That what is going on inside of us or around us is so loud. That that when we come and hear a sermon or a reading scripture, life is so chaotic, life is so loud, that when we need to hear the truth that God has for us, we simply can't hear Him. Because when life is chaotic, when the situation is surrounding, all we seem to pay attention to is the noise. Church, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way way. Well, I have good news for you. I have actually the best news for you. Jesus provides a better way and teaches us a better way. And not only does Jesus teach us a better way, he models it for us in his life. You see, Jesus had a rhythm. Jesus had a rhythm in his life, and it wasn't a rhythm of chaos. It was a rhythm of Sabbath. And this morning, we're going to dive into Scripture to see what Jesus has to share with us so we can break free of this chaos. So today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but it's also going to be up on the screen. But Jesus was very early in his ministry. In fact, Jesus had not even picked out all the disciples yet, but he started to perform miracles and Jesus' ministry was exploding. Powerful things were happening and the crowds had begun to gather. The chaos was mounting. The burden was deepening. The expectations on Jesus were climbing. And instead of experiencing a rhythm of chaos in his life, Jesus experienced a moment of chaos. And today in scripture, we're going to see something powerful that you and I can take away from it. So again, we're going to be in verse 12. So let's read together. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. 
And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, can you make me clean? And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. And Moses, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, but even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed from their infirmities. Verse 16. But he would withdraw to the desolate place. He would withdraw to the quiet place and pray. In this passage, we are seeing Jesus experience incredible ministry. And I want to kind of walk through what's happening here. First, we see in verse 12, uh, this, this man who came to Jesus full of leprosy. I want to give you some context of what this means. In modern times, we have remedies. We have medical solutions for leprosy. But back in Bible times, in Jesus' time, this was a death sentence. And if you had leprosy, you were excommunicated from the community. You had to live on the outskirts of town. And if you happened to be around other people, you had to publicly, verbally declare that you were unclean. I'm unclean. Don't come close to me. I'm unclean. And in Jewish culture, this wasn't even a physical thing. It was believed that if you had leprosy, that there was something spiritually wrong with you. That there was something in your past or in your present that, that God had given you leprosy. And the reality is for this man that he probably couldn't remember the last time that he was cared for, that he was loved, let alone even touched. Some of you walked into this room this morning in a mess. Some of you walked in with a burden of feeling unclean. And the hope of this text is that if you surrender it, Jesus can cleanse it. What I love and is so powerful about this is Jesus decides to heal this man not from afar. He could have done it from afar. No, Jesus decides to get close, so close in fact, that he decides to touch this man, which was like insane to the Jewish people of the day because this man was unclean. And Jesus decides to touch this man and make him clean because Jesus is all about proximity. Jesus wants to be present in your current situation. Jesus wants to be present in your mess and in your sin, and he wants to bring you out of it. That God, Jesus loves you, that he died for you, that he wants to forgive you. But the question is, is are you bold enough to call him Lord? And are you bold enough to say to Jesus, Jesus, will you cleanse me? What I love too is, again, Jesus' ministry is getting public. He's getting on the scene, and and Jesus tries to temper the chaos in his life, right? He tells the guy, listen, don't tell anyone, just keep it on the down low. But of course, that didn't happen. You see, for Jesus, the chaos hit in his life. The, The crowds were gathering, the expectations were mounting, the demands of his life were coming fast and furious, and something so rare and so powerful happened. Instead of leaning into the chaos like so many of us do, he decided to withdraw to the quiet place and pray. 
Jesus knew in that moment that in order to accomplish all that God had for him, he needed to be sourced in the relationship with his Father. Nine times in the Gospel of Luke does Jesus retreat to the quiet place. In fact, it's at every critical junction in Jesus' ministry. When Jesus was about to be tempted by Satan, he withdrew to the quiet place. When, when Jesus was about to pick the disciples, he withdrew to the quiet place. When Jesus was about to die on the cross for our sins, he withdrew to the quiet place. The quiet place for Jesus was a place of strength, not a place of weakness. It was a place of discernment. It was not a place of confusion. Many of us have been sold a lie. We've been sold a lie. We've been sold that if we're not burning out and if we're not running thin, then we are not doing and going hard enough. That if we're not busy to the point of exhaustion, if we're not trying to be all things to all people, then we're messing up. But a question for you is that how is that working out for you? Because I don't know about your life, but in my life, I know when my calendar is pushed to the max that my relationships suffer. I know that when there is no margin left in my life, my relationships, my friendships, and even my faith are the first things to suffer in that. And that cannot be said of you. It was in the quiet place that Jesus experienced the full presence of God. It's where his identity was affirmed. It's where his faith was deepened. It's where his full dependence on his Father was made crystal clear. And many of us will say things like this. We'll say like, listen, I, I'm coming to church, and, but the worship, I'm just not connecting like I used to. Uh, you know, I'm opening God's word, and, and when I'm reading scripture, it's just not coming alive like, like it used to. When I pray, my prayers just feel like they're hitting the ceiling and falling back down on me. And we'll, in those moments, what we'll do, instead of leaning in, we'll start pulling back. Like, we'll, we'll say to ourselves, it's just not working right now. And instead of taking the moment to press in, we'll say, I'm just going to take a step back. And, and maybe when things work, you know, change a little bit, maybe it will be different. Jesus knew that in order to accomplish all that God had for him, he needed to fully depend on his Father, and he needed to withdraw to the quiet place to be with his dad. Jesus knew that in the chaos of life, whether internal or external, he needed to withdraw to the quiet place, not occasionally, not in a moment of like, oh, when I find the time or, you know, once a quarter, I'm going to, you know, find a little time to connect with God. No, Jesus knew that this had to be something he consistently did in order to be what he needed to be. So the question is, if this could be said of Jesus, what can be said of you? If Jesus, being Jesus, being the Son of God, needed to withdraw to the quiet place, not occasionally, but consistently, what makes it different for you? If he needed to do it, we needed to. Here, here's something. Um, I have been married eight years. Um, yeah. She has put up with me. She has put up with me for eight years. Very thankful for that. But... Um, here's what I've learned over the course of eight years of marriage. Um, if I am not investing the time, there's a problem. If I'm not taking the time to experience joy with my wife, 
If not, not, I'm not taking the time to make sure there is alone time, that we are enjoying each other, there is a disconnection that happens. Uh, there's this phrase of like ships passing in the night, right? You know you are present in a relationship, but you are just not connecting. You are not plugged in with each other. And, and when something happens, it's like, I didn't even know. We're not even talking right now. If we're not going on dates, if we're not having those intimate conversations, if we're not laughing together, if we're not making love, or we're not doing all these things, there will be a disconnection in our relationship because relationships require proximity. They require time. And the same thing has to be said of our relationship with God. But here's the tension is the tension is we tend to ignore God when life gets busy. Like we'll, we'll say things like, well, listen, uh, man, life's a little crazy right now. I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have the time. Have you seen my schedule? Have you seen my life? Like there's just not margin right now for a, a healthy prayer life. You know, when life slows down, maybe I'll make church a consistent thing for me, but like life is just crazy. So I'll just hop in and out whenever, whenever it kind of works for my schedule. Like that's what I'll do. Or, you know, I'll have a healthy devotional life when my kids get older right now. I'm just going to put that off for right now. It's in the chaos when we need Jesus most. Yet we'll put it off. Jesus knew. That in the crazy of, of life, when everything felt like the pressure was on, Jesus knew that he had to pause, that he had to stop and retreat to the quiet place, to be in the presence of his God. One of my favorite stories in scripture is the story of Mary and Martha. Some of you might know that story. Mary and Martha were sisters. They were best friends of Jesus. And Jesus would often go to Mary and Martha's house simply to hang out with friends. And I love it so much. Martha was the older sister, and there was an occasion in the Gospels where, where Jesus was over hanging out the house, and, and Martha was doing the older sister thing, right? She was getting everything ready. She was making sure the food was cooked, and, and the house was clean, and everyone was taken care of, and, and she was stuck in burden. She was stuck in expectations. She was stuck in anxiety, making sure that everything was done. And then there's Mary, sweet Mary, Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, enjoying being with him. And feeling the tension, Martha, Martha comes over and does the passive-aggressive thing, like we've done this before. She doesn't address Mary. She asks Jesus to address Mary. And she says to Jesus, Jesus, can you please tell my sister to come help me? Uh, Jesus, I'm doing all of this stuff. I'm doing all of this good stuff. Jesus, why can't you tell Mary to come help me? I'm, I'm stuck and I'm overwhelmed. And Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you've missed it. Yes, you're doing a good thing, but Mary is doing the best thing. Mary in this moment is simply being in my presence. And this is such a beautiful passage because it teaches us what Jesus cares about most. Yes, those things were good, but in that moment, Mary wasn't overwhelmed. In that moment, Mary wasn't overburdened. She was simply resting in the presence of her king. 
what this passage is, is teaching us about the character of God is that God Almighty cares about you. That God Almighty wants to spend time with you. And Sabbath is all about you being in the presence of your king who wants you to be with him. But so many of us don't take him up on it. Right? God of the universe is saying, I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you in the quiet place. That burden you're going through, I want to help you through it. That anxiety you're working through, I want to be with you in it. But so many of us say, I'll catch you when it slows down. A common phrase that we use in, I call it Christianese, right? It's things that you only hear about in the church or in the Christian world. No other time in life do you hear it. And there's this phrase we often use um, called, uh, I'm pouring from an empty cup. You've maybe heard this phrase. Uh, what that means is when, you, when you're interacting and intersecting in your life, the things that are coming out of you, it's empty. There's nothing in the tank. Um, I don't think that analogy is actually true. I think our cups are always full. The question that has to be asked, though, is what is your cup full with? Is your cup full of you, or is it filled of time being in the presence of the king? Um, I have this nice cup here. It's like a, a styrofoam, like, a, I don't know, like cardboard, I don't know, like paper straw, like, you know. Um, you know how much we love those. Uh, it's a nice cup. And what if I went down to the Tom's River? Ooh. The Tom's River. And, you know, I was just going to scoop up some nice Tom's River water in this, and there is some stuff floating. Don't worry about it. Um, it's not quite hot water, but it's not quite cold water either. It's kind of like lukewarm water. And what I was going to do is I was going to find a really nice packet of instant coffee. I'm going to put the instant coffee in this cup, and, and then I'm going to get powdered milk. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to get some powdered milk, and I'm going to make you a cup of coffee. I'm going to sit this to the side. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a nice mug. I'm going to go to my mug cabinet, and I'm going to, I'm going to find a really nice mug, and I'm going to get some good beans. I'm going to go to How You Brew It on the Island. I'm going to get the best beans that, that they can. I'm going to take the time, and I'm going to ground those beans for you. And I'm going to find the best brewing method, the kind that, you ever get coffee, and it's like, why is this taking so long? I need to go, and like the coffee brewing method is this like slow process, but you know in the slow process, it produces the best cup of coffee. So now I have these two cups of coffee here. The question I have for you is not which cup of coffee would you drink. The question I have for you is which cup of coffee would you give to the person that you love the most? Because here's the deal. As a parent, the question is, is what are you pouring into your kid's life? Are you pouring from a place of your brokenness? Are you pouring from a place of your sin and your wants and your desires? Or are you pouring from a place that has spent time, slow time, in the presence of your king? When you think about your relationships, when you think about your spouse and your marriage, are you spending time and pouring out into them from a place of this? Instant gratification, right? It's all about instant or are you taking the time to pour out from a place that has retreated to the quiet place, not occasionally, 
but consistently. When you think of your schedule or your finances or praying for one or the people you are discipling, what cup are you pouring from? Are you pouring from a cup of you or are you pouring from a cup that has been in the presence of Jesus? Jesus knew this lesson. Even though Jesus was part of the triune God, Jesus knew that being fully God in that moment, he was also fully human. And Jesus sought time with his father. He sought time praying with his father and he withdrew to the quiet place because he knew he had to be fully dependent on God to accomplish what he had. Jesus didn't want to live in a rhythm of chaos, but Jesus wanted to live in a rhythm of prayer. In order to to fight the rhythm of chaos in Jesus' life, he needed to retreat to the quiet place and spend time with God in prayer. And this is our big thought for this morning, is to break the rhythm of chaos, we need to rest in a rhythm of prayer in our life. As followers of Jesus, it can be so easy to get wrapped up in the chaos of life. It draws our focus. It pulls us away from God. And God is saying to you, I want to spend time with you. We get so engulfed in the noise, the noise of life, the volume of life. We get so entrapped. Are you in a place this morning where you need your identity in Christ reaffirmed? with withdrawal to the quiet place? Are you in the place where you're looking for direction for your life? Withdraw to the quiet place. Are you in a place where you're processing grief? Withdraw to the quiet place. Are you in a place where you're in distress or in anxiety or or just, just lost? Withdraw to the quiet place. Now, what does this look like? What does the quiet place look like? It's not complicated. Many things in the Christian life are very, very simple, but they're hard. The quiet place simply is this. Find a rhythm in your day and week where you are consistently, not occasionally, finding time to be alone with God. This is a moment where you are turning down the volume of your life, where you're putting down the phone, where you're taking the Apple Watch off, where the TV is off, where you're putting the kids to bed maybe a little bit earlier, and you're making the time to simply be with Jesus through prayer, through reading his word, and simply resting in the presence of God. And we can find every opportunity not to do this. Jesus could have found every opportunity not to do this. Jesus could have been in a place of saying, don't you know the disciples need more training? Man, I only have a short amount of time with the disciples. They they need more from me. Oh, the crowds are gathering. Have you seen the crowds? There's so many expectations in this moment. I I need to spend more time with the crowd. Or or there's more people that need to be healed. And and, and the line is long. And Jesus could have found every opportunity to say, "I, I simply don't have time to spend time with my father. No, but Jesus knew what mattered most. Jesus knew that in order to accomplish all that God had for him, he needed to make it a priority. He had to say no. When Jesus retreated to the quiet place in this text, there were still people left to be healed. But Jesus knew in that moment he needed to say no, and he needed to retreat to the quiet place. Church, many of you are stuck in chaos. 
Many of you, there's something going on in your heart or in your soul or in your circumstances where all you can see is the tornado. And Jesus is offering a solution. Jesus is saying, I have the solution. I am the solution. So will you take the time? Will you retreat to me? I have the peace that you're looking for. I have the direction that you're looking for. I have the answers that you're looking for. But will you take the time to spend it with me? Will you say no to something else for a better yes? Will you change the beat in your life to a beat of chaos, to a a rhythm of Sabbath, to a rhythm of prayer, to a rhythm of rest? So here's the challenge. Um, I thought about challenging you all to maybe take some time this week to retreat to the quiet place. But I knew that y'all are stubborn. I know that if you're looking ahead and you're like, man, the calendar, and I got the work and the kids and the, the thing at night, and, and I got all this stuff, I, I, maybe in a couple weeks I'll find some quiet time. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take quiet time right now. My guess is that some of you already know what you need to pray about. You know that there is something on your heart that you need to get alone with God when there's no noise, when the the sounds are low, there's no distractions, and you just need to be in the presence of God. Pray about it now. Some of you don't know what to pray about. You're like, this is cool. I don't know what to do. Uh, What do I pray about? I simply want you to do something like this. God, I am here, and I'm listening. And I promise you, that those are kinds of questions that God always answers. So here's what we're going to do. For the next two minutes, there's going to be no noise. I want you to just take some time to pray. This might be the longest two minutes of your life. This might be a two minutes that goes like that. But here's what I want you to do. I just want you to take two minutes and go to the quiet place and spend time with your king. Let's pray.